special gift down in my ministry. So I just want to be prepared because I can hold it together. You know, I talk at schools and churches and all types of stuff. But even they be like, I was worried. We had to pray. We had to hold some music for you. I was like, I Thank you again so much for listening to More Than a Pretty Face. Um, Today, I am here with the incredible Teresa Wilson, a.k.a. Teresa the Songbird. Uh, Teresa, do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, I'm Teresa the Songbird from Chicago, Illinois, living here in Atlanta, Georgia, coming across y'all airwaves, your Instagram (laughs) waves, your Facebook waves. Giving y'all the best ooh-ah sensations for your blackness all day long. I love it. I love it. I love to hear it. Um, so, Teresa, I, I'm I'm not sure if this is how most people find out about you, but I certainly found out about you through your viral and epic, incredible poem about blackness. So I just kind want to start right there. Like, you so black. I mean, I was just watching it yesterday just for the hell of it, not because you were coming on. <laughs> Not because I was going to be interviewing you, but because, like, I needed a pick-me-up. It felt like a long day. And I was like, you know what? Let me go ahead and watch this. So I, w- I want to start there. What was it like to, to write to write that? Let's start there. Like, what was it like to write that? Okay, so what you got on the Trumpet Awards was two minutes of a six-minute poem. And I've, I've seen the six-minute poem, and I love right. the six-minute poem, yes. So you get, you understand there's so many other layers to the poem, mm-hmm. right? And as I was writing, so there's two, there's two answers to this question, right? <laughs> so as I was writing the long version, I was really just trying to address every layer, really and truly, all mm-hmm. of the negative all of the struggle and all of the positive, right? Mm -hmm. But when you're trying to do two, and when they're like, all right, ma'am, we need you to shave this poem down to two minutes for TV, (laughs) and you don't have no stopwatch, like the poem I performed was Mm -hmm. about three minutes long. Yeah. Y'all got two minutes and 18 seconds, two minutes and 14 (laughs) seconds. So the edits that Bounce TV made you know, kind of shaped now what the poem is. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? For mm-hmm. people who don't have any uh, understanding of the long form, long form version or the, the written version that's in my book, that is how they see it in this mm-hmm. little encapsulated nugget. And I love it for what it is. I really, really do. I love that it is uh, so motivating to so many people, especially kids. It mm-hmm. just... It just warms my heart on every level. It is, in experiencing it, it is like a pat on the back from God. Every time I get a response from a person of color from anywhere in the in the on the planet, really, mm-hmm. that's like your poem spoke to me. Your poem gives me strength. Your poem is on my wall in my house. Your poem, my kids are learning your poem. Mm-hmm. Here's the video of my kids doing <laughs> your poem. Can we do your poem for our church Juneteenth? Can we do your poem for our church 
Black History Month. Can you come to our elementary school because the whole fourth grade has learned your poem for our Black History Month? Yes. <laughs> that part of it. So it's like I wrote a, you know, I wrote this long idea mm-hmm. and the universe required it in a different form and the universe answered my call as you know the same way I answer the call every time I'm like all right let me pick up this pen and get these little feelings out (laughs) I mean that and and I mean that's how I first saw it was that short nugget um from the Trump the Trumpet Awards and I don't even I don't even know where or who shared it or why I saw it but I just remember being like so moved by it and I was like can I get this girl on my podcast? Because <laughs> I yes. just, it was just, even the way. We all in quarantine, not doing yeah, nothing. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, let me just see what's <laughs> on here. And you responded right away. I was like, let me just see what she's doing. Um, and what I, what I really loved about it, though, was not only were you talking about blackness and trying to, I feel like when you hear, uh, when, when we listen to black poetry, Either there is this, it's so hard being black, and these are all the negative things that come with being black, or we get the, let me tell you all the beauty of blackness. Like, there's there's no, not never, but there's, it's hard to see that, that intertwining. And what yeah. I loved about your poem, You So Black, is that you really intertwine that really, really well. And I think about one line uh, where you say, blackness is not something you get to choose, but it's something you get to cherish. And I think about that a lot because I know growing up, for me, I, you know, having to learn that I had to move differently as a black woman was really hard. Because you're yeah. little and you don't know what it means why you are different, you know? Um and you think about, like, well, why can't I be white? Why can't I be like everybody else, you know, when you're really little? Right. And, and then it's like, I didn't, get to, I didn't get to choose this. Everything else I get to choose, I didn't get to choose this. But then you come to that place where you get to cherish it. And the, in those, those very few words, like, you encapsulated all of that, you know? It was just there. Because I'm just so... Like, when I tell you I love... I'm so grateful to come from the family that I come from. Mm -hmm. Because even down to the least educated of us, down to relatives, you know, who might have had a third or fourth grade education, but they knew how to build a house from scratch. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? They have... There's such reverence in my family down the line for where we come from and who we are intrinsically. We are so wrapped up in how awesome we are just generationally mm-hmm. outside of like the Nat Turners and the Harriet Tubmans and mm-hmm. the Benjamin Vanicas and the Carter G. Woods outside of all of them like my mama, my grandmama, my great grandma, my great great grandmama, <laughs> my great great granddaddy Webb Carter you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. down to Nether Wells, down to my people are so dope personally speaking I don't have to search outside of my own wheelhouse, my mm-hmm. own household for the dopeness of my blackness. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful for that. Because even once I start searching further and further out, I just get more and more and more. We just, whoo! I just get overwhelmed as my circle expands on how mm-hmm. dope people of color are and how odd 
this placement is that we exist in in the universe, mm-hmm. knowing that if like you do enough studying, which don't take long, if you do <laughs> enough studying, you realize that black people go back to the beginning of time, mm-hmm. that we are the first human being on this planet. We are, of course, we are kings. Of course, we are inventors. Of course, we are magnanimous politicians and, and historians and authors and artists. Of course, we are. We are original man. We are, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, so to be in this position that we did not choose because somebody else chose to qualify what our skin means when when they look at us. Because when I look at us, I'd be like, ooh, ooh, look at cocoa butter brown. Ooh, <laughs> ooh, look at pecan tan on the inside. Look at pecan tan on the outside. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, we so beautiful on every level. Mm-hmm. So understanding that not getting to choose this and having it still is the gift. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very powerful statement is like, I mean, I'm thinking about um, Beyonce's new song, Black Parade, that came oh, out. Yeah. And uh, she has a bit in it where she's like, we it's, it's kind of like you try to put us down, but we still show up and make it look cute. And I think that reminded me of you so black because i was like it's so true like anything any situation i feel like black folks can really just make it into fun make it into a party make it into life and vibrance and color and beauty and i think that is such a unique position that you know i just think about the creativity of black people yeah and what we're shining on the world and what we have to offer and and that's what I thought about when I when I heard you so black and I and I think like sometimes people use the term you so black as a negative. Oh, absolutely. And can you can you speak on a little bit maybe how like you chose that name of this poem? Because it's like so, it's so much deeper than that. Right. So mm-hmm. like when you study playing the dozens, which is where you so black comes from, mm-hmm, right? The mm-hmm. idea of, oh, your mama so this and you so that. All that comes from playing the dozens, right? Mm-hmm. So playing the dozens goes, or Jonah, whatever y'all call from Chicago, we call it playing <laughs> the dozens, you know what I'm saying? Playing the dozens goes back to uh, slavery. It goes mm-hmm. back to a time when, when black people were put on the auction block we mm-hmm. would talk about each other to get our prices dropped, to get ourselves sold into different families. So, like, that was our way of trying to control what little we had no control over. Mm-hmm. So when you and all of your, the best of your crop are all on the slave block together, you like, oh, mommy, man, you so dumb, you can't tell an ass from a mule. You know <laughs> what I mean? And they all talking about each other, and the white folks hear this too, and they get to chuckling, and it might be that that might be the difference between you being sold into a family who doesn't see no better or know no better, or a family who's going to value you at a certain level but work you to death, so even the like that's my point like having the opportunity to have these conversations mm-hmm. really gets you so much deeper into it. Mm-hmm. Even the notion of you so black, of us joning each other and how we come from this place of of we you know, of we experience it as hurt or harm, it comes from a place of love and protection. It is just as traditionally culturally our thing mm-hmm. as 
quilts, gumbo, uh, chitlins, <laughs> and cornbread. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You so black is a part of what it means to grow up and be black, to have to mm-hmm. defend yourself against your family. From them making fun of you, because that's who started. It don't never be yeah. your friends, it be your cousins now. <laughs> Oh my god, you girl. Look at got a forehead like your daddy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was with my family last week and I'm pretty sure one of them probably says something along those lines. You know what I mean? But it is that and the reason that we do that to each other is to toughen our to toughen our loves up. To toughen them up with, with the people who care about them. Cause you're gonna go out in the world and somebody is gonna say something twenty times more disrespectful to you. And how do you respond to them? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So, like, even in the 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 idea of the Jonesing, it is ours. It is our thing. How Salon say this one's for us. <laughs> yes. You know what I yes. mean? Yes. Yes. And I, I love I love I really do love that. Has your poetry always been about blackness or did it evolve into this space in one way or another i've always been like i think that my poetry has definitely always geared itself towards a black ear and a black audience Mm -hmm. i've always felt kind of fun like not really sure how to approach an audience that was real caring in the crowd you know what i mean like i've always even though i grew up in a super white neighborhood i went to super white schools high school and college like when it's time for me like in my element I do feel like I am here to speak to and for people who look like me Mm -hmm. even though every single poem that I've written is not necessarily about living in uh, supremely ultimately just the black microcosm like I got poems about sex and about breakups and about you know just whatever stupid stuff that go on in the world but Mm -hmm. I do have more than one I got like four or five super black ass poems (laughs) about you know being black black men black women black children my black family my black mama my black daddy the black love of my life all Mm -hmm. of that you know and how and I mean do you worry about about that making you I guess do you ever worry about being palatable because uh, you know, no, like being outside of the black. Hmm? I'm palatable like gumbo. I'm palatable <laughs> like like spicy wings, like wasabi on your sushi. Like I'm that thing that makes. I love wasabi on my sushi. I, I'm like jerk <laughs> on your chicken. You know yes, what I mean? Yes. I'm that thing that you ever do you sweat? You know, like when you get a little mm-hmm. beads of sweat while you eating. I love that. I feel like it is a your skin is having a a response to a different uh, sensory. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like your taste buds are making your skin have a response. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that's just so interesting. So I don't worry about being palatable because I know that I am. Mm-hmm. I, you know what I'm saying? It's just you gotta you gotta dig the flavor. <laughs> Did, did it take you a bit to get to that point, though? Or did you feel like yeah. you came out of the gate and you were like, listen? No, not at all. Not at all. I have a very excellent... I would, I don't call her a mentor, 
because I need her to understand, like, she my family. I call her my big sister. She stay up the street from me. Her name is Georgia Me. Georgia Me has been on every season of Deaf Poetry Jam. She's mm-hmm. the first black woman to appear on Deaf Poetry. And she's gone. She's been on Deaf Poetry Broadway. Like, I could juice my sister up. She's an awesome lady. <laughs> if you've never met her, if you don't know about her, Google Georgia Me. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's going to be great. Georgia's the reason I was on the Trumpet Awards, in all mm-hmm. honesty. But Georgia used to tell me way back when I first started doing poetry, she would be like, Teresa, you good. You good, girl. You just need to stop walking off stage like you got laundry or a pot of greens that you need to go see about. (laughs) A pot of greens? So, like, in the moment, I could deliver. But as soon as I was done talking, I'd be like, all right, I'm out. Bye. You know, like, I Mm -hmm. couldn't revel in it. I couldn't stand up in it in, mm-hmm. in all of this it was too much for me to understand you know what i mean but now that we're here and we in it i wish you would <laughs> <laughs> I was take, like even you can see it in that moment i was like all right georgia would be proud but i'm mm-hmm. just letting this moment happen on the trump of the break when i got to the end that's what i thought about i was like finish like georgia would finish <laughs> <sighs> ooh, ooh. And what, it looked really good on camera. It did. I mean, you looked incredible. What was that? I mean, what was that moment like for you, though? Because was that the biggest stage that you have performed on? You know, like was that the was that kind of the culmination for you? Okay, so including including the the television and the people in that aspect, yes. Mm-hmm. But we filmed a month before the show aired, right? Mm-hmm. So the day that I went in and did my performance, it it was not the most people I've ever been in front of. Mm. It was the most influential, like, because mm-hmm. most, you got to remember, more than half of the audience is celebrities and tastemakers yeah. and people who work in the industry in Atlanta. And all of those people were closest to me. So, and for all the people you saw on camera, there was one person, reaction that you did not get on camera, but his reaction I think I cherish the most. Mm-hmm. So in the front row, Robert Townsend was seated in the front row because he was also being honored that night. Mm-hmm. Robert Townsend was the first person up on his feet while I was speaking my poem. And can you explain still, who Robert Townsend is? Robert Townsend is the director and the, the creator and the, the leading man in Hollywood Shuffle. He has, he created wrote the song, wrote some of the music, and created and directed and starred in the five heartbeats amongst <laughs> a litany of other movies. He is a consummate director from Chicago. Did I mention you from Chicago? My hometown, you from the same place in the world? Yes. So by the time I'm halfway through my poem, Robert Townsend is up on his feet, clapping, pointing at me like, mm-hmm. I couldn't, like, I was through by then. You know what I mean? I was through, through. So it wasn't so much that uh, the number of people, it mm-hmm. wasn't even so much who the people were. It's mm-hmm. it's that same feeling that I get anytime I can command an audience. Anytime mm-hmm. I know I'm coming up to a place that should lift their spirits and to watch the spirits go up mm-hmm. in front of me and to know that, like, I got y'all. All I got to do is keep <laughs> this thing going. All I got to do is not mess up no words and keep this energy going. <laughs> And it just kept going and going. It was a good performance. Mm-hmm. It was a good, solid performance. 
And I was proud of myself for that. I was proud of myself for in that moment using all of my gifts the right way. Mm-hmm. So take it to take it back way, way, way back to your beginning. What was it like or how did you come to know that, okay, my life, I will be writing poetry. That's what I want to do. Uh, okay, so I did not... What I knew is that I was going to be a performer. Like, from the mm-hmm. time I was little, I was like, I'm going to be a singer. I'm going to be a singer when I grow up. Y'all can't tell me that. I'm going to be a singer when I grow up. Because I'm going to be a singer, right? I'm going to be a singer. So, I went to college to be a mu- like to, as a music major. And I graduated with a vocal performance commercial music degree, right? Mm-hmm. But when I was in high school, I started writing little poems here and there. But the poems for me were like, I was telling myself they were like catalysts for songs kind of mm-hmm. thing. But I still wrote my little sad poems about wanting a boyfriend. And it was like really like kitty, like like teenage, mm-hmm. uh, like Danielle Steele. It was real like soft kitty porn. It was really a lot. It was really a lot for like a 14 year old. And then I met my homegirl, my best friend in college, I mean high school. Her name is Raina. And she wrote poems too. So we would just be like, oh, you my friend. I'm your friend. Let's read each other's poems, friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that was all it was. But my senior year of high school, I competed on my speech team. And my, uh, my English teacher and my speech coach, Mr. Sweeney, uh, kind of geared me toward doing uh poetry reading in mm-hmm. my speech competition like that was my event that i comp- competed with mm-hmm. and i was really good at it mm-hmm. reading other people's poems though but learning how to interpret somebody else's words and then give it energy and power and 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 sway people's emotions with just just some words you know what i mean mm-hmm. but they didn't know what kind of poems to give me. They kept giving me these poems, and I was reading well because I have a powerful voice, but I wasn't resonating with the mm-hmm. stuff. So that's when I started going to the library and looking for poems myself, and I found black women who I didn't even know existed who wrote these poems, and I wished I could write like them. So mm-hmm. then it was like, now I got to take my little piece of what I've been doing and try to make it better mm-hmm. because better exists in the world, you know? And it's been a journey. I really did not know probably until college. When I got to college and I was still writing in my freshman year of college, I was the president because the the senior decided he didn't want to do it no more. Like literally the first week I got to school, I did one talent show and did some poems. And they was like, great, you could be the president of the Poetry Society. I was a freshman. I was the only freshman on campus who was the president of a campus-run organization. (laughs) And I was the president until I graduated. Wow. Right. So to go through that, I think that experience in college is when I realized I'm probably going to do this until I don't, Mm. you know? Mm -hmm. And since then, it's kind of been like, let's get more and more invested in it. Building. So you talked about, you know, finding black women poets. Uh, yeah. What has it like? What has it been like for you to be a black woman poet? To maybe be someone that 
that young poets coming out the gate have have looked up to it is okay so with this new wave and i like you know because i had my life before the trumpet awards and my life (laughs) afterwards so in this new wave it's kind of intimidating Mm -hmm. just a little bit because the the wave of people Mm -hmm. who have you know had the experience of you so black now you know black people think you you be rich. You know what I'm saying? Black people think they did one thing and they're like, it's smooth sailing. She mm-hmm. must be rubbing elbows. You see T.I., she must be eating with T.I. every other day. No, not at all. Not at all. That's not the way that goes. At all. I'm still out here scrapping and surviving. Good times. You know what I'm saying? Hanging in the chow line. Oh, girl. Ain't we lucky we got them. <laughs> intimidating that pushes me because I mm-hmm. want to be there. I want to be in a position where uh, my lifestyle demands the respect that my talent has already kind of mm-hmm. began to earn. So I definitely push myself very hard because even my friends look up to me, like my colleagues in poetry, everybody is, you know, oh, we're so proud of you. Oh, we're so proud to see where you're going. Oh, we're so proud to see what you're going to do next. And I feel the pressure not in a bad way because I'm prepared I didn't know how prepared I was (laughs) until this came and then I was like oh oh this easy okay I can do this you know but it is that it's that added sense of responsibility to the new normal for me and that I do have to be a a point of light for people of color I have to be Mm -hmm. you know I have to be that I have to be a point of encouragement for children of color. I have to be that all the time. And I don't mind that at all. I'm just grateful for the clarity of it because I could have spent more of my life bullshitting. And now I don't have to worry about that because I know exactly what the purpose is. I know exactly Mm. what the goal is. Did it take you a second to realize like, oh, that's, that's the purpose, because I feel like we can be in our purpose, but not know that's what it is. I think I've always known what it was, but my desire, because you've heard the long form of the poem. Mm-hmm. And the long form, I love the ending where it says, like, to the black in passing and to the black is all left lasting and every mm-hmm. shade of black in between. As a matter of fact, if your pupils or your eyelashes are black... Because I need every human being on the planet to feel applicable. So there's a part of me, like, on a human level that just wants everybody to get along. I want all human beings just to be, everybody Mm -hmm. love everybody, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But that's not where we are right now. And I've always had this internal spiritual struggle with wanting what's best for all humanity and wanting what's best for human beings who look like me. Mm, mm, mm. And... I feel validated in wanting to make and, and knowing what choice to make now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I've always kind of been like, yeah, I'm down for my people, but everybody love everybody. And I'm still down for my people, but everybody love everybody. But for real, I'm down for my people. Mm-hmm. You and know what I mean? I do, because I, th- I think that's the, that's the difficult part, because, you know, we can be out here and be like, I love being black. 
And, you know, people will come in with that counter argument. Well, why can't I say I love being white? And it's just it's just like you don't you don't understand what it's like to be black and to be told that it's not and enough. you can love being white. Yeah. I, I don't want to take that away from nobody because I wish you would try to take that away from me. <laughs> like. And I don't feel like, like, these are semantics, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If you was talking to, like, let's break this down. If you was talking to a nigga, and this is how a nigga responded to you, you would not pay him no mind. You would not feed into that energy at all because you understand it for what it is. And whether it's coming from a nigga or from uh, a white woman that's feeling a call or whatever she's feeling, all of that's the same energy. You feeling powerless right now. And that ain't got nothing to do with me. So you should love being white. You should love the skin that you in, but you should not uh, disenfranchise the skin that I'm in mm, mm. to make your skin feel better. That's mm. that's not cool. I think that's I think like that's being a- like a bee stung me. Ow, I've been stung by a bee, and then you slap your homie. <laughs> like that don't make your bee sting go away. But it might get your ass kicked by your homie. Now you got an ass kicking and a beast thing. Don't play around with God's children. I I just love the way that you phrased that. And I, I think that, I mean, I think that's where we are right now. And I think maybe that's why, you know... I mean, I think it is where about where we are. It's this idea of like I, you can love the skin that you're in, but don't use it to put others down. And I feel like right. black people have been caught in such a cycle of that's what's been happening to us. So that's why we have to, you know, be black. That's why we have to say this is why I love being black. I love everything about us because if we don't love us, nobody else is going to. Right. And I think. I think that's, you know, going back to you so black, I feel like that's what it does, you know? We are so we are so many things. I mean, the powerful line that you have, like, black is um, adjective, adverb, color, and noun. It's in everything. It's so, like, no matter almost any subject you want to get into, the word black, the idea of blackness comes into it. Some kind, And we're not talking about just race, you know, not in mm-hmm. terms of the race of black, just the word black black mm-hmm. itself you can be black ball black male black monday black, you know what i'm there's so many forms that black can take and then when you talk about black as a color black as a color is the existence of all colors simultaneously mm. black is the night sky it is the backdrop upon which the entire galaxy is cast it is the dirt from which all life blooms on this planet. Like, it is it is the thing. It is matter. It is the thing. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know how, like, it is the thing. <laughs> all of the things black. Mm, mm. Do you worry about out like not being able to top yourself at this moment not at all because like okay i I don't want to be the one to do this right (laughs) let me just tell y'all the honest truth 
So maybe like two or three days after I, the show had aired, before I hit a million views, because we was paying attention, me and my little sister, she was like sending me screenshots every <laughs> few days so we could get up to a million, right? Before I hit a million views, but after we saw that it was getting some interest, mm-hmm. one of my good homeboys called me and I let the phone ring for like right before it goes to voicemail and then I picked up. <laughs> And then I was like, hey, how you doing? I just wanted to let you know I'm still answering phone calls before I was all the way famous. And I, and I thought I was hella funny. So I'm cracking up laughing at myself. And he was like, why you think you so funny? I called to see why you doing your C-selection poems on national television. <laughs> that is what my homeboy said to me. You know, black people just really coming for you. <laughs> Because he's telling the truth. Mm. In other words, you so black, ain't it? Like, I love it. I love it. But mm. in terms of writing, entertainment, all of that, it's not even one of my best poems. Mm. So that's mm. why I'm not worried. I'm grateful for the eyes that are on me and the opportunity because I have so much more to give y'all. Mm-hmm. You thought you so black with something? Wait till you see about sprinkling, twinkling. <laughs> ooh, ooh. Ah, ah. Sprinkling, twinkling. Ah. And I, I love that. That makes me really happy because I, I, you know, you worry about people when they have this moment and they do this thing and it's so impactful and powerful. You're like, oh, my gosh, are we going to get anything else from that? Yeah, I got so much. So I've already done twice now. I've put up a play in Atlanta called For the Birds. It's mm-hmm. a one woman spoken word musical by myself, yours truly. I play four different characters. Those four characters deliver 13 of my poems, but they deliver them in monologue and in dialogue with each other. And the way it's been put together is like diabolically genius. I do costume changes. (laughs) I play a little girl. I play an old lady. I play a drunk ass baby mama. I play a devout Christian hairstylist. You know what I mean? Like I get into these characters and the, I did one of these uh, plays on a Super Bowl playoff Sunday. Mm -hmm. And the men who came to the play were like, we forgot that football was on today. That's how good your play was. (laughs) That's amazing. Do you understand? For a black man to be like, I forgot that I was supposed to be watching football because this little girl that you was playing got me (laughs) cracking up right now. (laughs) So between that and, you know, I have the book and I am work. Oh, so I just finished working on my first version of You So Black to go on all streaming sites. So I have to do mm. a little more mixing and mastering, but that's going up soon. And like I said, I'm a singer. I'm a music producer. I'm, I do everything. Mm-hmm. So even if you never saw me do stage, like if you didn't see Teresa the Songbird anymore, which is not going to happen because <laughs> I love to be on stage. You know what I mean? Like I love mm-hmm. acting. I love singing. I love being a part of this entertainment world. So I know that's where my passion and where my heart and my art and my money is going to come from. So mm-hmm. I'm all in it to win it. But even if I did not do those things, I do a hundred other things mm-hmm. to make sure that the coins keep coming well, in. God has blessed us with a few talents and I'm <laughs> grateful for all of them. <laughs> 
So where where has your poetry taken you besides the Trumpet Awards? You know, like, I feel like our talents take us to, to different places and heights, you know? Okay, okay. So this past <laughs> year, right, has been like... I wish this was a visual medium because your everything is just great. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, the past... Since the Trumpet Awards, the coolest things that have happened... Look, before the Trumpet Awards, one of the coolest things that happened to me was this. So my homegirl, Georgia Me, opened up... She spent a summer opening up for Jill Scott. Uh, mm. Doing... When Jill Scott was touring the country. This mm-hmm. was two tours ago for Jill, right? So the year before Jill was on tour, me and Jill were on the same season of Verses and Flow oh. on TV One. Jill was on the opening episode and I was on the closing ep- I was on the closing episode mm-hmm. right the last episode that aired of the season right was my episode and the day my episode aired the next day Jill Scott added me on Twitter and when I tell you <laughs> I lost my shit like I was dancing around my homegirl apartment and I sang this song specifically it just popped into my head I forgot that I sang this song it went like this. Jill Scott added a bitch. Jill Scott added a bitch. Jill Scott added a bitch. Bet you I'm shit. Because Jill Scott added a bitch. That was my sound. So, but after that, maybe like when, jo- when, so when Georgia was on tour, I get this phone call from Georgia. And I'm like, hey, Mimi, what's up? Because that's what I call Georgia. And, she, and the voice on the phone is like, this isn't Georgia. This is Jill. Ah. <laughs> Hollered in Jill Scott's ear like a fool. I was on the phone like, ah! <laughs> For Jill to be like, oh, you're so great. You're so wonderful. You just keep doing your thing, right? Fast forward to like another year after that, Jill is doing... Uh, a poetry showcase called Words and Sounds. She did one in Atlanta and she did one in Miami. Mm-hmm. When it was time for her to do the one in Miami, she called me to be a part of the show. Oh. Messed me up again. <laughs> so those are my best pre... Mm-hmm. What's pre... Uh, Trumpet? What's your moments? Pre-Crumpet Awards moments. Post-Trumpet Awards. I uh, did the Essence Festival on mm-hmm. MC Light stage. Mm. So I got to take it with MC Light. Yes. Mumu Fresh, who was already my homegirl. Like, I don't want you to think me and Mumu been known each other since kicking it in D.C. <laughs> so me, Rhapsody, Mumu Fresh, Trina, Yo-Yo. Like, that was a night. Um, I Right after the Trumpet Awards, I get a DM from Robert Glasper. And he's like, I'm finna be doing a show at the City Winery in Atlanta on XYZ date. Can you come? And I was like, sure. So I'm thinking I'm just chilling out in the audience as a guest. He like, can you come on stage right now? Like texting me from while he's on stage performing. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, okay. I come on stage and the next thing you know, I'm out doing my poem with Robert Glassford. <laughs> Turn around a couple weeks later, he texts me again like, can you send me some of your poetry? I want to put it on my next album. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I send him 30 seconds of poem, and he, he sent me back a song that I'm on with Sir and Bridget Kelly. 
<laughs> so when I tell you like my life, like the fact that like I can say out loud that I am on a song with Robert Glasper, Sir, and Bridget Kelly. <laughs> Because I don't think people realize the places, especially in creative fields, you know, that you can go. I had I had a singer on here a couple episodes ago and she was we were talking about the idea that people don't see the in between for artists. They either think, you know, you're singing on the street for for coins or you're Adele. There's no in between. But there's so much in between. Mm -hmm. If you uh, when you learn how the craft of entertainment works Mm -hmm. because somebody got to sing the jingles for the commercials like (laughs) who is the girl i don't know what 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 city you're in but we got this song on the radio four one one pain i don't know who the girl is but somebody got to be the four one one pain girl you know what i'm saying like somebody when if you're on broadway somebody has to sing in the chorus Mm -hmm. somebody got to sing background if you write songs and you're not a singer, somebody got to sing them songs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You may not be Beyonce, but Beyonce needs six, seven, eight background singers. Mm-hmm. And will you not have had a fulfilling career if you spent two or four or ten years singing for Beyonce? Well. It's really about your level of understanding of what you prepared for for this industry. Because mm-hmm. I sang back up two times for one girl and in rehearsal and knew then that I would never be a background singer. (laughs) Because there is a level of respect that I have to have for you as an artist in order to be able to be like, you should be in the front and not me. (laughs) You know? Mm -hmm. It really comes down to you doing the research. Everybody that may not be Beyonce, but you might be Millie Jackson. Mm, you know what mm. I mean you might be Jennifer Holiday. you might you know what I'm saying you may not be the coldest best of all time but you can do you can do well enough to be considered in the upper echelon you know what I mean like as a poet I may not be Maya Angelou but I could be Sonya Sanchez I could be Gwendolyn Brooks I could be Nikki Giovanni you know what mm-hmm. I mean and all of them are dope and all of them have a point of view that matters and is important and is substantial in the echelons and annals of history. And we still talk about can on a consistent exactly. basis. I, I really like that you bring that point up because I feel like we don't realize that success can look like many different things. You have to decide what you want it to be for you. And if it's not presenting itself to be what the plan is, you have to be malleable to how you're being used. Mm, mm. What has been the most difficult part of, of your journey in poetry, in the industry, in being a creative? What has been uh, most challenging for you? Being broke. Being well. broke has been the most challenging part. <laughs> Definitely. Um, and not just from lack of money, but from lack of vision. Mm, mm. Being broke makes it very difficult to see a full view of what you can do. Mm, you mm. know? It's it's really... It's, it broke is like blinders. And the more broke you are, the more narrow those blinders get. 
to what you are allowed to see is available to yourself. Mm, mm. Did you do you ever feel like you hit like a like a bottom point where you're you you were just like in that tunnel vision? You could yes. not see anything else. And I was not just broke, but I was broken. Mm, mm. You know, but I also think that being in that position is a is a great place to be in because you can't because then you're at the bottom and you know what they say the only place to go from the bottom is up Mm -hmm. you just have to be willing to make that climb you have to be willing to make that push towards the break you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like so i remember being in that place in atlanta homeless broken-hearted sleeping on Georgia me couch <laughs> trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life and God gave me two books he gave me uh proverbs in in the bible and then he gave me the 48 laws of power mm. and I read both of I read the book of proverbs every, every single chapter I studied it for 40 days and 40 nights while I fasted it was no game for me when reading through Proverbs. <laughs> it was no game for me. I took notes on every chapter of the 48 Laws of Power. It was not a game for me getting the information that I got from that book. And those two texts together have really become foundational to how I treat myself mm. and how I view how other people maneuver in the world. Mm. Mm. Can you can you speak a little bit on like what does that mean for you? How do you now treat yourself versus what you did before? Um, I require a lot more from me. Mm. Like I'm hard on myself in a different way. You know, I'm very much so hard on myself in a different way. Like when it comes to like Proverbs 31, the virtuous woman and, and really taking my talents and squeezing every last drop of juice out of them, mm-hmm. taking when I'm through with the juice scraping the pulp and making something with the pulp when I'm through with the pulp <laughs> taking the hull and making something with the hull and then keeping the seeds to plant the seeds to do it all over again type mm. of stuff you know what I mean mm. I'm hard on myself and that's a good thing because it makes me uh, multi-talented it makes me ambidextrous in this realm of entertainment mm-hmm. I can do a lot and I don't mind doing a lot I don't mind the hard work because I expect myself to do the hard work. And when it comes to other people, the 48 Laws of Power taught me that there's a lot of people in this world that are sheep and followers Mm. and who are not turned on to what's happening. So when things happen, they just go with the flow or they get really mad because they feel like something is wrong, but they don't know how to address it properly. So I have learned that, you know, a lot of the things that happen in terms of the way people maneuver and the way people are being maneuvered has been in the world a long time. Mm -hmm. A lot of these are long game play ideas and just wanting to be an anarchist and burn stuff down while it is uh, understandable. It's not a long term successful business plan. (laughs) And history has taught us that. Mm. Do you feel like you have set yourself up in a way where you can achieve more than your original dream? I think I'm going... My goal is to achieve my original dream. Because Mm. I dreamt a lot for myself. And in all honesty, I'm not where 13-year-old me told me I was going to be. 
Because <laughs> thirteen-year-old me expected to be a millionaire at the age of twenty-four. <laughs> I just want to put that out there. And every day past twenty-four that I'm not a millionaire has been like a day where I look at thirteen-year-old me and I'd be like, "I'm sorry, girl. <laughs> we gonna do better. I promise you, we gonna do better." <laughs> so, no, I have not reached uh, the goal or outdone myself with the exception of having this experience with you so black mm. and having this taste of millions of people responding to me mm-hmm. because for me that should be my normal mm. Mm. not that I have not, it should be given to me on a platter but I have to like I would like for that to be my normal mm-hmm. career wise every time I go up on television I want millions of people to be like yes girl yes girl yes girl yes <laughs> And so how have, I mean, where can we find you, you know, in, in poetry? Like, if you are in the poetry world, if you don't know every single thing, where do people usually come across you? Um, these days, it's mostly, you know, we all in the house right now. Yeah, well. So, everything you can find from me is going to be on the internet right now, on YouTube, and on my, uh, my website, uh, Anywhere you want to search T-H-A Songbird. If you type in T-H-A Songbird, it's going to be me. Lots and lots of stuff on YouTube. But outside of that, when the world is open and acting like it got some sense, well, I'm all over the country. I'm mm-hmm. in every major open mic from coast to coast. I am always on the move. Uh, I'm Like I said, I'm originally from Chicago. Baltimore is one of my second cities, so I'm almost always on, I'm on the East Coast two or three times a year. So it's very strange for me not to be on the East Coast now, because <laughs> I would have been there like two or three times already in the corona season. But uh, yeah, I I get around. And if I haven't come to your city, holla at me, because when this when the aroma lifts a little bit, I will show enough come and see you. <laughs> how, how did you get the name Teresa the Songbird? Um, Teresa is my mother's middle name. Mm-hmm. My dad named me Teresa. He tells my mom he named me Teresa because he couldn't think of a better name. <laughs> Which means a lot to me because, you know, my dad really loves my mama. Like, a lot, a lot. Like, it's it's really quite disgusting <laughs> how much my dad loves my mom. But to know that, like, my mom, you know what I'm saying? And he was like, well, she's not using, my mom doesn't use the name Teresa. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. She doesn't use it at all, at all, in her normal goings about life. But he's like, I love this woman so much. And this name, it's her name. Like, he literally named me after the thing he loved most in the world. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, I love that. So when people say Teresa, I make sure you say it right and spell it right. Not just for me, but for my daddy. And then the songbird came down to, it's an acronym, it's for the sound of a new generation believing in realized destiny. But the songbird came about because couldn't nobody remember my name. I would go and do shows or I would go into my sorority meetings and everybody knew I was a music major and they knew that I was a singer. So they'd be like, you Joyce daughter or you the, you that you that singing girl, you the songbird, you the songbird, right? Mm-hmm. So I just took it. I just took it. Mm-hmm. It was not a name that I made up. It was a name that was given to me, the same as Teresa was given to me. But you came up with that acronym on your own. Yes, yes. And what led to that? 
really believe in the power of metaphysics and affirmation. I really do. I believe, you know, I work in words for a living and I watch words change people's lives. So I want to be that. I really like when I open my mouth, I want to be the sound of a new generation believing in realized destiny. Mm -hmm. Like everything that we do, we already we've already thought of it. It's already Mm -hmm. existing. We just have to walk into it. Mm -hmm. And what is what are some of the most powerful words you feel like you've you've written down, you've said in poetry so far to date? Okay, with the exception of you so black. <laughs> um, in Black Girl Magic, the most important words that I've written are Black girl, you awesome, you special, you helpful, you try harder, you pushed yourself farther than even you thought you could go. You be in it when your anxiety is crippling and totally out of control. Because you already know this world don't stop turning when there's tears burning in a black girl's eyes or blood trickling from a black girl's thighs or a baby hanging off a black girl's breast or when we've endured all we could and more at the end of stage four and we don't have no hair or no breast or no more decidedly identifiably female features left, you still the kind that cares less what the careless of character characterizes qualified. They can't quantify your metaphysics. They can't comprehend your digits, but they keep counting on you to do what you do so well, excel when they put us at an obvious disadvantage. We manage to keep on winning. Must be because we phenomenal black women. I am without words. Right. It just, I just... It was, right. was like, okay. It's so good about you. You see what I'm saying? Just my own personal little concert. <laughs> who has who has really, like, touched you and inspired you to, to make those words, you know? Okay. I know it sounds cheesy. My mama. <laughs> Like, I am inspired by many artists, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. I will admit that. But when I think about my mom, when I think about how people receive information, Mm -hmm. my mother has this way of talking to people. Mama's really, my mama like super duper Christian, right? Mm -hmm. She real in Jesus. And ain't (laughs) nothing wrong with that. My mama's the kind of Christian that the Bible talks about people being. Like how they say you're not supposed to persuade people to come to Christ. You're supposed to call people to Christ by the light of how you live your life. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? My mama one of them people. My mama's so good and genuinely wonderful to every single person she passes and meets that everybody be like, what drug do you want? And my mama be like, I'm on Jesus. You want some? And they all be <laughs> like, yes. Yes, give me some of this Jesus drug you got. Mm-hmm. My mom has this way of talking to people that just breaks through the bullshit mm-hmm. and gets right to the little baby that needs to be held or hugged or fixed or whatever. She just got this way about her that gets to that and it commands respect and it's got the light of Jesus on it, which also mm-hmm. comes with the I wish a nigga would. You Ooh, know what well, I mean? like, well, you are not going to play with this child of the most high mm-hmm. at all. And it's all of that when, like, when her friends, because you know I don't let my mama follow me on Instagram and stuff like that. <laughs> so, but some of her friends done slipped in and became my followers. So when her friends see me talking or or doing my poems or whatever on Instagram, and then they tell my mom, she just that's your type, that's your child, Joyce. We can see you all over her. <laughs> I love that. 
Mm-hmm. I love that because that means you're getting the God light, you're getting the command, you're getting the universal vibration that call the arms, that shaking, that 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 rumbling off, that get that that, that dust off of your life, mm, mm. so that you can go out and feel fresh and new mm-hmm. from something that I've said. You know what I mean? So it's all like. You know, the name's my dad. So I give him 50%. Daddy get 50% for the name, and then mama get 50% for the the character. Mm. And telling, I mean, your mom sounds incredible. And I, and yes, I love black yes. moms. I have, obviously, I have a black mama. But how did you tell them, like, hey, I'm going to be creative. I'm going to sing. I'm going to do poetry. I'm not going to get that that's quote unquote stable job that comes with the parking space no. and so we had that argument early in life I, my mom has always been the one that's like Teresa you can do whatever you want I don't care what you do you can do whatever you want in life and my parents are both you know my dad is blue collar my mom is white collar both working black adults you know what I mean so when I decided to go to college everybody knew I was going to college to study music. Originally, it was to be a music teacher, but like a week into school, I was like, nobody's trying to do this. Mm. I need to switch my major, which I did <laughs> twice. <laughs> but like the biggest argument that I had was going to college because I didn't want to go. I was like, I don't need to go to school to be a singer. Mm. And my mm. mom was like, I don't give a damn what you study. You better go and study something. Because mom was valedictorian of her high school class. Mm-hmm. She graduated summa cum laude in three years with a degree in mathematics when she went to college. Like, mom don't play. My Her mama was elementary school principal. We don't play about education. <laughs> you can go and study uh, wicker uh, weasel weaving if that's what you want to do. But you better go to somebody's school and come out with somebody's degree. I know that. <laughs> It didn't matter what I studied. It didn't matter Mm. what kind of job I got, just as long as I was trying. Mm. Like, my parents were really patient with me. You would have thought I was a white girl, how patient my parents were. Like, I'm thinking about it now. If I would not have been that kind of parent, I'd have been home like, so you ain't got a job yet? Yeah, oh my. uh, (laughs) What do we need to go to McDonald's or something? What do we got to do? Get you around here paying some bills. Girl, I know that's right. (laughs) <laughs> they were mad, like they was cool. Cause eventually, I found, you know, I, I delved into. I did teach for a little while, a substitute time. Mm-hmm. I did some coaching, acting coaching, and all of that. And then I moved to Atlanta. And when I moved here, I didn't have no job, and mm-hmm. I ain't had no job since. Like not for real, for real, for real. You know, like <laughs> that I had to come to every single day, on time too. I ain't had one of them since two thousand and nine. Jeez, Louise, that's a long time, girl. <laughs> But yeah, you out here making it work. Super, like, as long as my dad is, his thing was, as long as you ain't asking me for no money. <laughs> and, and the unspoken part is, and you're not selling it or, or pushing it off no pole. <laughs> you know what I mean? As long as you ain't asking me for no money, part two and part three silent. Uh, <laughs> I'm cool. So when I started figuring out how to live my life, 
this is what I understood multiple streams of income are helpful. Being mm-hmm. a multi-talent is helpful because if I only had to focus on the poetry, if I didn't force myself to do many, many, many things, I mm-hmm. probably wouldn't have been able to cover the bills. But now I'm in a position where if I decide I don't want to do one of the many things I do for a month, like when I couldn't perform before everybody mm-hmm. figured out how to pivot, Mm, and I had to mm. spend my first 30 days figuring out how I was going to make money. I still made enough bread to pay my rent in March mm-hmm. and April, not mm-hmm. doing much of anything, you know? So that has been the the saving grace for me, is that mm. I know how to do more than one thing. One thing. Mm. So, Teresa, my last question that I ask all my guests um, is, how do you define being a woman or womanhood? Oh, it's so complicated and deep and <laughs> wonderful. I mean, outside of birthing life into this world, because mm. that's a thing, right? Birthing the children. We are, specifically black women, we are like vital human information on every level. On a genetic level, we carry information about how all human beings across all races and diasporas work. We are the first voice of instruction that our children get. We are therapists to men mm. and women, if that's how you if that's how your boat rock, I ain't mad at it. But we are therapists to our loved ones and our 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 uh, intimate friends who are coming and, and sharing their baggage and demons with us, whether it's in conversation or in intimate uh, transmutation. <laughs> we are, you know, we are all of that. We are so encompassing of what it, we are God. We are goddess God. We are the, the piece of life that makes life worth living. Mm. That's mm. why God made us prettier, with more fun bits to play with. <laughs> I love that. I love <laughs> Teresa, you have been <laughs> an inc- fool is what I am. No, no, not at all. Teresa, you have been such an incredible guest. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Before we wrap up, is there anything that you'd like to promote, give a shout out to, anything like that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Anybody who is listening is welcome to uh, join me at my website, thasongbird.com. I have You So Black posters. I have books uh, available on Amazon. I have all type of information about my play and about music and about just me in general. You can follow me and we can be friends. We can sit in a circle and braid each other's hair on Saturday nights. It'll be great. Teresa, thank you so much. All of that's going to be linked in the show notes. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, if you'd like to connect with the show, and please do follow us on Instagram and Twitter at PrettyFaceLady3, and go ahead and like us on Facebook at More Than a Pretty Face. If you'd like to email the show because you want to say hi, um, you want to be on the show, or know someone who could be on the show, please email us at uh, PrettyFaceWomen at MTAPFPodcast.com, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.